DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Lincoln Kennedy joins us now. Raider, radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. How are you guys today? Good. When I say Rose Bowl, what do you think? The Granddaddy Mall. Remember, I used to hear Keith Jackson as I was a kid talking about announcing the games, and he had a you know standout announcer's voice. And then, of course, having the pleasure and the privilege of playing in three of them, um, you know, I was I was lucky. I spent my Christmases in Southern California. The first one was the Freedom Bowl, and they used to have that in Anaheim, and then three straight Rose Bowls. So I was very fortunate. What was it like, Lincoln, to run out of that tunnel on that glorious January 1st? Even though you did it three years in a row, I imagine that it wasn't old for you. No, no, it wasn't old. It was definitely welcome. I mean, you think about it, you know, that's the largest stadium uh, you had the chance to play in, in college. And, and the fact is that you go out to sometimes an equally separated color fan base. Uh, we played Michigan twice. We played Iowa once. And, I remember seeing the purple in the stands, but there was, you know, sprinkles of other fan bases as well. It was, it was just fun. It was great. It was very exciting. And the, the week that led up to it uh, was exciting. The, the Rose Bowl Committee always put on a good show. I don't know how it is these days, but, um, you know, we were down there for a week or two practicing in L.A. before the game happened. And, you know, it was, it was just cool. It is a bigger crowd, and you played. I don't think the stadium even holds 100,000 because I think they've downsized it, put some seat backs in and all that, but they squeezed in 100,000 for some of those games. Is it louder? It's yeah. bigger. Is it louder than the other stadiums, or because it's kind of a flat bowl, does it not hold the sound the same way? Well, it's, it's louder. It can get loud. You can definitely have a, a noise advantage if you have a crowd advantage, but most of the time with the Rose Bowl, it's pretty much equal. So there really wasn't like any team had one advantage over anyone else. Although I understand it with these guys wanting to opt out, I am disheartened that they wouldn't want to play in the Rose Bowl. What's your take? You know what? I've kind of come under some criticism with my stance because I think it's very selfish for the guys wanting to opt out and just you know, focus on getting ready for the combine or anything like that. A lot of times, because it's a team game, they didn't accomplish those things on their own. If he was a standout quarterback, he wouldn't have been anything if he didn't have an offensive line or he didn't have, uh, you know, receivers or backs to go to and vice versa. You know, a running back wouldn't be good if he didn't have an offensive line or an offensive system to rely on. And the, the bowl games, especially one of this magnitude, is such a big deal that you want to win. You want to have all hands on deck. I think it's a little selfish for, 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 you know, for guys to just opt out and want to do their own thing. Now they want to be on their own and be an individual. And I also think the same thing approaches. You know, once you coach a team to a high-level bowl or a high game and they all of a sudden you bad us for another job, I think that's incredibly selfish. So it goes both ways. So now that you know those guys are missing, assuming there's no more guys out for COVID, which obviously could happen, but as we understand as it's set up now, who do you think wins the game? No, I really would like to see uh, Utah put on a good showing. Um, I was a little disappointed last night in the showing of Oregon, but kind of expected it when I thought about Oklahoma's running game. So I would like to see Utah go and put on a good show. It's their first one, and I think they're they're really a great champion for the Pac-12. I like the fact that they're representing us, but I'd like them to go out there and put a good showing on. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, that would be something that would really be special for this program. I think it would be the greatest yeah. accomplishment. Uh, you were with, as you said, you played with three Rose Bowl teams with Washington. Uh, what do you think Utah, as a, as a football program and maybe even beyond that as a university, how much can they cash in from this Rose Bowl experience going forward? Well, I, I think it's a tremendous honor and step in the right direction. If you think about what Utah has been through, what Kyle Willingham has done for the program, the consistency that it's had over the years. Now, this is just a probably stepping stone in the right place. You know, they were for forever a bridesmaid, but never a bride. And now they've got to that point where they're at the granddaddy of all and they're representing the conference. Sure, it's not the college football playoff that so many people put so much into, but it is a step in the right direction. It's a building block for the future because, you know, now it's not just Oregon who's going to showcase the UT. Their, their uniforms is Utah and other places. <laughs> they're going to showcase their uniforms on a, on a center stage in New Year's Day. Do you trust Ohio State with these guys out? Do you trust that Ohio State recruits great? There's no short, slow guys over there, so they'll plug four players in and keep going? Or this is an awfully big stage to take on more responsibility, and are you really up to the moment, and this is going to be a problem for some of these guys stepping in roles, whether it's a tackle or wide receiver or whatever? Uh Yeah, I'm, you know, here's the thing, because, you know, these opt-outs, COVID, you never know who's going to be available to actual game day. But I'm hoping, you know, from Utah's standpoint, I'm hoping that they can apply the physical pressure like Michigan did when they played Ohio State and beat them down. And even when Oregon took them on in a horseshoe. So it doesn't matter who's out there. It's, it's going to be a mentality. It's going to be an attitude. And because the rosters are so deep on college campuses, the college rosters, um, you know, you can, you can very well make the argument that the next man should be able to go out there and do a solid job. I'm wondering, you as a former lineman in the college game and in the NFL, did you laugh that two receivers didn't want to risk injury? I laughed anytime I didn't want to go out and, and didn't want to play risk injury. Like I said, it, they, they didn't get there by themselves. They might have talent. No one's saying that you're not going to be able to go to the next level, but I think it's just crazy these days that you know guys want to opt out because they want to focus on the combine. Focus on what? And most of the time they want to do pro days anyways. All you're going to do is run and jump. Go out there and play football, have some fun, and, and you know, give your teammates a little bit of love back. You guys all deserve it together. You should have fun and enjoy it together. Speaking of the next level, I have to admit, I thought the Raiders were done and dusted. It was all over. They lost five of six. They had a coaching change. It was just too much. They weren't good enough. And then they beat the Browns and the Broncos, and they're eking out these 16-14 and 17-13 wins. The Colts have been playing great. The dream dies here, yeah. right? Or they're going to yeah. shock us here in the last month of the season. <laughs> look, the, the Raiders have been a pillar of inconsistency all season, and I've said it. One game may look all right, next game may look horrible. Um, I was surprised about the Bronco game. They were able to pull it out because I really thought they lost their edge. Um, playing lackluster. Now they've got to have an answer for Jonathan Taylor. Forget who's possibly playing a quarterback for the Colts, whether it's Carson Wentz or Sam Ellinger or whoever. They've got to have uh, an answer for Jonathan Taylor. And I don't know if they have that now. And, you know, talk about being wrecked by the COVID list. As early as Monday, there were six defensive players that were a part of that COVID list. And some of the standout ones, like Denzel Perriman, they're, uh, you know, Pro Bowl linebackers. So I'm still waiting to see the final tally who's going to be available. For Sunday's game, but I hope they put up an effort and fly because they got a chance. And they, but if they have any aspirations of going to the playoffs, they got to win these final two games against the Colts and the Chargers. It's not going to be easy. 
Yeah, I speak of the Chargers, man. Just when I want to anoint them as, yeah, they're a solid playoff team, they stumble. I'm not sure what to make of them now. You know what was interesting this year uh, about the Chargers, and unlike last year, I thought like 11 years ago, I think when Philip Rivers is quarterback, most notably, they would start off slow and then finish strong, uh, and then be in the playoff contention of being a conversation towards the end of the year. This year has kind of been a little bit of a reversal. They started off fast and then they slowed down considerably. Now it's really no, you don't know what to make. They've got, you know, they've got all the pieces in place. They've got a quarterback. They've got a coach who's aggressive. They, they got a system, and if they can get healthy along with you know, dealing with COVID like everyone else, they can still be a force. But I'm hoping that they're down for the count. I'm hoping that the Raiders are able to take care of them at the end of the year. That way they can end up splitting with the Raiders, uh, you know, splitting with the Chargers, um, and you know, sweeping the Broncos, and they still have their work to do against Kansas City, as you already know. So the Dolphins lost seven straight games, including one to the Raiders. So you, you saw them early yeah. in the year. They lost to the Jaguars in that stretch. They lost to the Falcons <laughs> in that stretch. I mean, they were a bad football team. But now they've won seven in a row. And granted, they haven't beaten many playoff teams. The Saints were way, way shorthanded in that Monday night game as the Dolphins won their seventh in a row. They're catching the Titans, and maybe the Titans will get their star running back back for the playoffs, but they don't have him now. Uh, no Derrick Henry makes him a different team. Is Miami going to keep doing this? they got the Titans and then the Patriots. You know, it's awfully hard to say. You know what's interesting about the Utah? They didn't beat in playoff caliber teams. Well, the Raiders beat several playoff teams from last year, but they still were inconsistent. I mean, it's just been one of those years. There's nothing that's, that's really given, and the AFC has created such a garbled mess that the tiebreakers and all the other scenarios are going to come into view. And I'm glad that the Raiders are able to take care of business against teams like the, um, the, the Ravens, against teams like the Steelers and the Dolphins, uh, because if it comes down to it, you know, they're, they're going to be in the thick of things just because they beat those teams when they had a chance. Yeah, right. If you do that, you will be in the thick of things. And, and uh, mm-hmm. that's what makes it – it makes it entertaining as far as which teams actually get in the playoff. And I do think in the NFL, if you get in the playoffs, that's a significant accomplishment uh, for most teams anyway. I guess maybe if, if you're the Chiefs or, or the Packers, maybe just getting there isn't enough. But I'm wondering, you know, the NBA is sort of predictable. When the season starts, we can pick out three or four teams at the most who have a shot to get to the finals. And the NFL, we don't really know what's going to happen week to week. But I'm wondering, as now we're getting close to the end, obviously, with a couple of games to go at the end of the season, if we can say, all right, uh, Packers, Chiefs, Bucks, maybe somebody else from the AFC. Uh, so the teams that we thought were legitimate Super Bowl contenders, 17, 18 weeks later, that's where we are. But here's the thing what you take into consideration you watch this year's football. Anybody can beat anybody, right? Right. You saw the yeah. Dallas Cowboys get shredded by the Denver Broncos. You know what yeah. I mean? And when when the Denver's yeah. down, you know what I mean. So there's there's it's anyone's guess who's going to actually be on the top. The great thing about the NFL playoffs, and this is what I've always referred to, especially as a player, is like you get in and anything can happen. A wild card team can go on the road three times and end up the Super Bowl. They take care of business. You know, a, a favorite team has that first week by, and then they can run the course for the two games and then the Super Bowl. Anything can happen, but you got to be in it to win it, and they got to get a chance to get in it. So, any anything can happen once you get in the playoffs. Ben Roethlisberger, is he all done? Should one of these teams that's uh, decent but needs quarterback help, obviously the Bronco fans are going to say the Broncos, but there's probably a handful of these teams around the league, should they be looking at him? That's a terrible team defending the run and a terrible team running the ball. 
I think they're actually last defending the run in the entire league. They give up more yards per game than anybody. Could he go somewhere and have a positive impact, or he's all done, he's hanging by a thread, and he should just walk away? I think like Cam Newton, he should have walked away a couple years ago. Yeah, looking that way, that's for sure. You have been involved in bro- you've been in broadcasting for a number of years, obviously. Yeah. I'm wondering uh, what are your thoughts and maybe what type of influence uh, John Madden had. Obviously, he was a legendary figure. Uh, uh, still dealing with the guys, and um, he was a uh, he was very instr- instrumental in my development, my growth as a broadcaster. It's been an emotional week. You know, I'm realistic and practical. I know everything lives eventually dies, but we knew somebody like that. And he meant so much to me because he was, you know, he was very pivotal in me defining my voice, saying that it had to be different, couldn't be like everyone else. You know, told me not to use, you know, his phrases, his slogans and stuff like that, boom, and all that other stuff. And, you know, when you're commentating on the game. And, but, you know, I, I was just in awe because he made me part of his, one of his video games and, actually had some input in how I was designed in the back of the day. So there's a lot of moments that I had have with Coach. And, of course, he was part of the Raider family, and we were always thinking and well-known, well-together, well, well, well close together. Um, but you just talk about being or, or knowing someone who was pivotal in changing the history of the game. And I've had the honor. been around guys like, you know, Tom Davis and Tom Flores and, John Madden, just to name a few, but you know, also had the privilege of meeting the Rooney's and the Hunt family and stuff like that, and just the, just the people that make the NFL what it is today. Um, Paul Tagliabue, I mean, list goes on and on. And John Gruden, I mean, not John Gruden, John Madden would always be one of those guys that would be synonymous with the NFL. Did so much for the game, both on and off the field. Um, he will be lost, and I hope he. he and his family and his heart rest in heaven, rest in paradise and peace. How did he connect so well with so many people? Because reading the stories and the tributes, I mean, your part, you know, you played for the Raiders, and even after he was yeah. done coaching, he was tight with Al Davis. So I get in yeah. that sphere how he was close to so many people, but I'm reading all these tributes, and, like, he had this close friendship with Peggy Fleming, the figure skating commentator, yeah. gold medalist. Yeah. How did he reach out beyond what you would think the normal sphere of influence would be and, and connect with all these people? He was, he was the best at simplifying everything that you wanted to talk about. didn't matter. It didn't matter if it was politics. It didn't matter if it was sports. It didn't matter if it was life. He just simplified it. He, 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 he brought it down to earth and made you, in a conversation, no matter what your level was, he made, you, it, made it fun to talk to him and to be around him and just enjoy his personality. And that was the thing that he connected with so many people for. You know, forget about the sports like you talked about and the connection with it. It's just, he was just a fun guy to sit down and chat with. Well, Lincoln, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thanks for joining us. Sorry for your loss there with, uh, with John Madden. And uh, enjoy the week, and we will talk to you again in another week. Happy New Year, guys, uh, to you and all your, your listeners. You guys be safe out there. Happy New Year to you, too, Lincoln. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst, played in three Rose Bowls with the University of Washington and talked broadcasting with John Madden. And that's only part of his resume, but that's a pretty impressive chunk of it right there, PK. 
Yeah, three Rose Bowls, man. Washington obviously had it going on during the time he was there, and he's spoken with that many times with Don James, and they were a great team. I think they shared a national title. It was with Georgia Tech Yeah, um, when he was there. Uh, what, in like 90, 91 or so, and then he's a Hall of Famer in the collegiate level and went on to decorate a career as the NFL. And wow, kind of caught me off guard, his uh, emotional stance a little bit with uh, John Gruden, I'm John Gruden, John Madden. Uh, I drove by the uh, Allegiant Stadium yesterday, and on the marquee, they had a big picture of John with his, you know, what they do underneath uh, the birth year and the, and the death year, because obviously he was a significant figure, and it was cool to have Lincoln acknowledge that. I did not realize how much John Madden meant to him personally. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Once he started explaining, it made sense to me, but I had no idea. Right. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We have Joe Ingles coming up at 9 o'clock. But between now and then, we've got a lot of time to talk college football and talk Rose Bowl and talk Utes and Buckeyes. PK has made the trip. That's why he's driving past uh, Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. He's made the trip to Southern California to be in Pasadena for the game. We've got, uh, we've got shows broadcasting from there uh, all day long. We'll tell you more about that coming up. We've got the question of the day. College football on the way. Stay with us.